Hello, and welcome back to Sinister Sisters. My oh. name is Shrimp, and this is Cat, and this is True Crime Tuesdays, Yay. which we missed last week because I was moving. I apologize. However, this week we have a very, um, well, it's a very, I was going to say it's a fun like case, but it's not. Hmm. But it's um, interesting, I suppose. Interesting. Um, also, this one was suggested sort of kind of by a listener. Ooh, that's exciting. It's a listener that I do happen to know in real life. Um, but it was generic boy name. He's like, you should do this case. So, oh, thanks, generic fun. boy name. So, as we know, this is season two of our podcast, where we are talking about devious duos, so people who commit crimes in pairs. Today we are talking about the case of Leonard Lake and Charles Ng, who were a pair of robbers, serial killers, serial rapists, and family annihilators. Hmm. But before we get into all of that, follow our Instagram at sinistersisters.podcast. Our TikTok at Sinister Sisters Podcast. Email us at sinistersisterspod at gmail.com. And in the episode description, the video description, and the Instagram bio is a case request form for you to share with us some cases you'd like us to cover or soapboxes for Cat to climb up onto. Yay. So, content warnings for this episode include rape, murder, graphic descriptions of bodily harm, sexual assault, and suicide. If this episode sounds like too much, again, feel free to click off and know that we have a less murderous episode for you on Sunday. Do you know what topic this week will be yet? No. I do not. No. <laughs> It'll be something and it won't be It'll murder. Be something. No. Cool. Okay. As I said, we're talking about Charles Ng and Leonard Lake today. And again, as I said, this case was suggested by a generic boy name, who is my personal boyfriend. He suggested it because he had heard about it on a podcast that he listens to, but that it's not covered very often by, like, major anything. So thanks, generic <laughs> boy name, for this case. Thank you. So Leonard Lake was born in San Francisco on October 29th, 1945. When he was young, his parents separated and he and his siblings were sent to live with their grandparents. At a very early age, Lake began taking nude photos of his sisters and this began an obsession with pornography. I would like to note that nude photos of underage kids are no longer referred to as child pornography because that like sort of suggests like some type yeah. of consent. It's now called right. Child Sexual Assault Material, or CSAM, which is what I will refer to it as. We don't talk about it for much longer, but that's what it's that's what I'm talking about. So he did not just have an obsession with CSAM, but he also allegedly enjoyed killing mice by dissolving them in chemicals. Gross. Ugh. In 1965, at the age of 19, Leonard enlisted in the U.S. Marine Corps and did a service in Vietnam during the war as a radar operator. 
During his first tour, he was hospitalized for, quote, exhibiting incipient psychotic reactions, but was returned to duty um, shortly after that. Um, in 1971. Yeah, you'd think, but what is the uh, American military complex industrial thing going to do without cannon fodder? Yeah. <laughs> in 1971 he was given a medical discharge having been diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder he moved to San Jose, California and attended the San Jose University but dropped out after only one semester and joined a hippie commune huh. around that time he became obsessed with the idea of a global nuclear war and developed a kind of survivalist paranoia and with it an obsession with guns he met a woman named Clarilyn Balzas. Balzas? I don't know how to pronounce that. It's like a Z and then an S. But Clarilyn, who was a 25-year-old teacher's wife. Or, sorry, a 25-year-old teacher's aide, who he nicknamed Cricket. And in 1977, they got married. And in 1981, they moved in together. No, that is a lie. They met in 1977 and got married in 1981 and moved in together then. Shortly afterwards, he met Charles Ng. Um, Leonard would star and make, make and star in S&M and bondage-related amateur pornography movies and also made Coraline take part in them. And eventually the couple divorced as she couldn't mm. take his sexual deviance anymore. And this would actually be Leonard's second divorce, as he was married to an unnamed woman while he was fighting in Vietnam. We don't know anything about her, just that they were married. Um, so yeah, he was divorced twice and liked to make amateur pornography. Charles Ng was born in Hong Kong on December 24th in 1960. His father, a business executive, was strict and disciplined him through physical abuse. From an early age, he displayed an obsession with martial arts and fire setting and also had a lifelong addiction to stealing. At the age of 15, he was arrested for shoplifting and sent by his father to a private boarding school in England in an attempt to change him, but he was expelled hmm. from stealing from his fellow students and sent back to Hong Kong. In adulthood, he moved to the United States and enrolled in the Notre Dame de Namur University in Belmont, California, but dropped out after his first semester. In October of 1979, he was arrested in relation to a hit-and-run accident and forced to pay for damages. And in 1980, he lied about his nationality and also joined the Marine Corps in America. He was dishonorably discharged after less than a year for stealing automatic weapons worth $11,000 from the gun storage of the Marine Corps base in a place in Hawaii. Holy shit. He was sentenced to 14 years for this theft. He escaped and made his way to California where he met Leonard Lake. It's not known how the two actually met each other, but mm. very shortly after doing so, Charles moved in to Leonard's ranch. The two were very, um, like, quite far apart in age. Leonard Lake was born in 1949, and uh, Charles Ng was born in 1960. So that's a big age gap. And yeah. if we listen, if we take this back to 
the soapbox episode where we talked about why people kill in pairs. This could be that, we don't know for sure, but speculation is that Leonard Blake looked after Charles Ng. So that was the, um, like, we talked about that as being one of the reasons why people kill in pairs is because one of them is completely reliant on the other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they met each other, and in 1982, they were both arrested by the FBI for firearm violations. Um, Leonard made bail and went into hiding inside a ranch in Wildsville, California, owned by his ex-wife, and turned it into a survivalist enclosure, stocking it with weapons and supplies in anticipation of a great siege. Ng was sentenced to three years, which he served in a prison in Leavenworth and sought out Lake after his release. Hmm. At this time, the pair became sorry, the pair became serial killers, abducting, torturing, and killing women and sometimes entire families. They knew many of their victims in one way or another, but we will talk about their victims in more detail later in the episode. So, on June 2nd, 1985, Ng was caught shoplifting in a hardware store in South San Francisco, and he fled the scene. Lake, who was with him, was arrested in their car outside the store when a 22 caliber revolver was found that was illegally fitted with a suppressor. Bullet holes and bloodstains were also found inside the car. Lake identified himself as Robin Stapley, who was one of their victims, and showed an altered driver's license which had belonged to the actual Stapley. Because the license listed the age as 26 and Lake was clearly much older, the authorities became suspicious and arrested him. When handed a glass of water and left alone, Leonard Lake swallowed a cyanide tablet he had sewn into a secret compartment of his clothing and slipped into a coma. He was put on life support but died after four days. Prior to him killing himself, he wrote a suicide note revealing him and Ng's real names and confessed to their crimes. So because he was this, like, doomsday, doomsday, like, prepper, and he thought that this nuclear war was going to happen, he basically always had this cyanide tablet with him so that he could get out, like, if he needed to, he could commit suicide. Um, but I guess thankfully, before he committed suicide, he did write a confession, which was weird. Nobody really knows why he wrote the confession, but thankfully he did, because the ranch, after reading this confession, the ranch was searched by the police, and here they found 12 corpses buried in shallow graves on the property, as well as a bunker a stash of weapons, and a total of 45 pounds of charred bone fragments, which led the investigators to believe that the pair may have killed as many as 25 people. Oh my god. In the master bedroom, there was a four-poster bed with loose restraints tied to each post and bloody pieces of women's lingerie. The searchers also found Leonard's diaries and journals, as well as video recordings of him and Ng raping and torturing their victims, and of Lake alone talking about holding a woman captive as a sexual slave and servant after the world was destroyed by a nuclear war. The bunker had two hidden rooms. 
The first, mm. which was the torture chamber, contained various tools and a sign reading the Miranda, a reference to the name of Lake's plan Operation Miranda, which came from the novel The Collector by John Fowles, in which the protagonist abducts a woman named Miranda and holds her captive in his basement. That's why these murders are often referred to as the Miranda murders or the Miranda killings, and that's yeah. why. The other room in the bunker was a small soundproof cell with a bed, a table, and a chemical commode. Yeah. Jesus. Bunch of yucky stuff. Yeah. In the meantime, while Leonard was committing suicide and the police were searching their um, ranch, Charles had fled to Calgary, Alberta via Chicago and Detroit. He remained Mm. a fugitive for a a month, but was once again caught because he was shoplifting. At the police station, he fought back against two police officers and ended up shooting one of them in the hand during the struggle. So he was charged and convicted of shoplifting, felonious assault, and possession of a concealed firearm, and was sentenced to four and a half years in prison in Canada. Hmm. When the American investigators found out about his incarceration, they tried to have him extradited and interviewed him, or have him extradited to interview him in prison. Mm-hmm. Ng, who spent his jail time studying American law and sometimes drawing cartoons depicting murders, admitted to his involvement in his and Lake's murders, but claimed that his part had been mostly limited to disposing of the corpses. Which, like, we know now isn't true because they had actually found video evidence of the crimes being committed. His really real yes, of the rapes, yeah. Here's a real shit part. The Canadian authorities refused to extradite him on the grounds that Canada had abolished capital punishment and Ng could be executed if he was returned back to the United States. Like Canada? That's dumb. Yeah. I could understand maybe if there wasn't like very good evidence or solid evidence, but they had video evidence of this man raping women, so send him back. Yes. See you later. To... That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It took six years of legal proceedings to have him return to California in 1991, in part because of the testimony of a man who had survived an encounter with him, and even then the legal battle wasn't over. It took another seven years and over $10 million worth of taxpayers' money for him to be put on trial, not for him to be convicted or whatever, but for him to be put on trial for murder in October of 1998. So in July of the next year, he was found guilty by the jury on almost all counts and was sentenced to death. The charges for the murder of one of the victims were dropped on the grounds that it couldn't be proven with absolute certainty that he had died by Ng's hand. In total, Ng's legal battle with the state of California cost over $20 million. He is currently on death row in San Quentin. He was interviewed a lot. Mm. Um by you know true crime people and the news and he was known for saying quote 
well, when he was work sorry, when he was working in the prison, he was known for saying, quote, no gun, no fun, no kill, no thrill. Daddy cries. No, sorry, daddy dies. Mummy cries. Baby fries. End quote. So some of his fellow prisoners and other people who heard him saying this believe that he also um, was involved in cannibalism. Charles Ng, that he uh, ate babies. That's oh, horrible. Ugh. Yes. So their MO or their modus operandi or how they actually committed these crimes is that they targeted women mostly mm-hmm. but they were not hesitant to abduct entire families after killing the men and children to get them out of the way they would hold the women captive in their custom built room in a bunker at Leonard's ranch tie them up and torture and rape them videotaping each other while doing so sometimes they also lured men to the compound with promises of work and robbed them after which Lake stole their identities. After killing the victims by either strangling or shooting them, they would often bury them in shallow graves on the property, though there is evidence that some were also dismembered and burned and their remains shattered. So, their victims, some of them were confirmed by like DNA and actually founding, finding their bodies. Other ones are possible or alleged. So their confirmed victims um, were 36-year-old Charles Gunner, the Dubs family, which was 29-year-old Harvey Dubs, 33-year-old Deborah Dubs, and 1-year-old Sean Dubs, Um, Randy Johnson, who was 34, Michael Carroll, who was 23, Kathleen Allen, Kathleen Allen, who was 18, the Bond family, Lonnie Bond, who was 27, Brenda O'Connor, who was 19, Lonnie Bond, who was Lonnie Bond Jr., sorry, who was two, and Robin Stapley, who was 26. Um, possible victims that were never able to be completely, yeah. like, whatever that word is, confirmed confirmed to be these victims of these people were Donald Lake, who was 32, which is Leonard's brother, um, Jeffrey Askren, who was 30, Donald Giulietti, who was 36, who was allegedly shot by Ng, Paul Cosner, who was 39, who was the allegedly shot by Ng, but there was no evidence that he had actually been the one who killed him, so he Paul Cosner was the case that was dropped. Um. Because there was no evidence that it was actually them who killed him. Um, Clifford Parento, who was 23, and Jeff Gerald, who was 25. So these are known victims and also people who were known to have died but couldn't Mm. be attributed specifically to these people. But police did think that there was as many... There was at least 25 victims of these two. And this is not 25 people. So there's definitely... Well, the idea is that there are victims who were never named and never found. 
which is That's awful. Really sad. Yeah. Yeah. That is the Fuck. story of Leonard Lake, Charles Ng. And and he's still on death row as he of now? Is, I think. I actually don't know. As of May 2022, he remains on death row at San Quentin State Prison, and no executions have taken place in California since 2006. So he yeah. probably will die on death row and not be put to death. Yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's um, a gross mm-hmm. case. Very gross. But yeah, interesting because it's not the like traditional like romantic yes. partnership. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Thank you, generic boy name. Yes. I don't even know what to say. I'm no, horrified. It's gross. I'm yeah. so like I don't think disappointed is the right word, but the Canadian government, like what yeah. the fuck? Like, I understand being against capital punishment mm-hmm. and not wanting to send him back because Canadians don't do capital punishment, but it wasn't Canadian people that were killed and it wasn't a crime that yeah. even happened in Canada. So how do they, how can they say, no, you cannot, like, deal out justice the way that you see fit, America? You have to, like, I don't know. That's It just seems so dumb. Yeah. Because there was proof that he did everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really understand. I didn't know you could just say no. If you had an extradition treaty with a country, I didn't know you could just be like, no thanks. Yeah, right? And yeah, especially because the Canadian crimes that he was serving time on were fairly minor, right? Like, obviously shooting a police officer's bullshit, but, like, the initial crime of shoplifting is... Yeah. And like so small. I don't want to like diminish it, but he only shot the uh, police officer in the hand. Yeah. So no one was killed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's weird. Well, I wonder if the Canadians would have kept him. Like if he, they couldn't, after all those legal proceedings, if they couldn't get him back to America, if he could have become like a Canadian and just been protected by the Canadian government for whatever fucking reason until he started murdering Canadian people. Depends, I guess, probably how on how he entered Canada. I guess, Like, yeah. if he just entered as a tourist. But, though, like, you can enter on a tourist visa, it expires in, in 90 days or whatever, but then they have to find you, right, to deport you, so. Yeah. Canada's big and wild and Lots of hiding places. Yeah. I also think that, I mean, I'm not a kleptomaniac, but mm. I think that if I was running away from multiple murders and rape charges and things, I would not shoplift. Yeah. Like, he got away. He was in Canada. He was vibing in a whole ass other country and, like, oh yeah, I absolutely need this thing from the shop. Like, yeah, I guess. D- did it ever say what it was that he was stealing? No. Because if it was like no, that I could find. You know, food or something like that, he was maybe trying to set up his Canadian bunker, but. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, he was sentenced to... Actually, I don't know. Wait. He was sentenced to four and a half years in prison, so it was probably something relatively high value or, like, a bunch of stuff. But he shot the police officer. That's probably where he got more of the charge from. Forgot about that. (laughs) Anyways. That was um, interesting. Yeah. I'm I would like interesting. Yeah, I, I think it. It's kind of um. We don't know much about the trial, mm-hmm. and also it was half a trial because Leonard right. Lake had committed suicide. I think it would have been not nice, but like interesting to have had a full trial with both of them there, and kind of be able to see what their dynamic was yeah because we assume that it was leonard lake there was the uh like figurehead or like the the instigator dominant partner i guess yeah but i don't know could have been the other way who knows yeah yeah thank you for listening to this episode and thank you generic boy name for telling me about this case yeah Um, follow us on instagram Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on- everywhere that you can follow us. Yeah. Tell us your thoughts on this case. How do you feel about the Canadian government refusing to give him back? That was a sticking point for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yay, thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.